Welcome to the Stellar Labs podcast, Future Learning Today. At Stellar Labs, our mission is to bust the technology skills crunch with effective, measurable, engaging training. We consult on, design, and deliver the technical and people skills and competencies you need in business. In these podcasts, you'll hear from industry experts and practitioners from the worlds of technology and training. They'll share their experience, insights, and inspiration, and their visions for the future with you. Keep listening to start your future learning here today. Hello, and welcome back to the Stella Labs podcast. I'm Stella Collins, Chief Learning Officer at Stella Labs, and I'm delighted today to be talking to Bruce Fetcher-Lippins, founder of WAPI. And WAPI is the most fantastic talent experience platform that really helps to accelerate and push performance in organizations. And what we love about it at Stella Labs is that it's really people-centered as opposed to organization or work-centered. So welcome, Bruce. It's really lovely to have you here today. Thank you, Stella, for these nice words. I'm looking forward to a good exchange with you. I think we always have good conversations, Bruce. <laughs> so, um, Bruce, it'd be really good um, to, if you can just tell us a little bit more about your, you know, really interesting experience that you've had in, in sort of the, particularly the HR sector, I think, and how that perhaps connects a little bit with our, with our L&D sector. Yes. Yes, well, it's uh, interesting. My HR, real HR experience started about 10 years ago. Um, I was at McKinsey as a generalist uh, consultant, uh, ready to actually move to uh, New York with my wife. I followed her. She's an urban designer, architect, uh, moved with her. Uh, started again working there, had my first moment of what do I really like uh, in life? What am I actually really doing at this moment of like, hmm? And um, for me, in the end of the day, I realized it's all about uh, helping people to unleash their full potential. And of course, that has a people aspect, has an HR aspect. And that's how I first as a consultant got to know HR. How do you bring more agility in HR? How do you do talent development? How you build high performing teams, facilitating that? That led me to working uh, three years at Solve, the chemical, global chemical company, uh, as part of the HR uh, leadership team, and, uh, and also 13 months at Euroclear uh, as chief talent officer, what's in the name, uh, but very much related to a lot of those topics. Uh, and then uh, in the last years, of course, uh, as one of the co-founders of uh, WAPI, um, where in the end of the day, we're all about uh, helping to future-proof organizations and helping the HR colleagues. And I think that, you know, that ties so nicely in with what we're doing at Stella Labs. And, you know, we are kind of looking for opportunities to partner and collaborate together. So I think it's, you know, I think this people-centered, performance-centered approach that we all have, but around how do we make people feel happier, more effective? And, and as you talk about, you know, really future-proof them because, you know, change is happening, people are going through and experiencing so many different things right now. And I think if we can support them in work to feel better, to perform better, to, you know, that, that whole performance thing helps you feel like a, a more fulfilled person, I think. I, I couldn't agree more. It's, uh, it's intrinsic motivation. Huh? Uh, Daniel Pink, of course, we all know him, intrinsic motivation. One of the elements is that you need to feel that you're progressing somehow, that you're learning somehow. I think that's for me is what you say about the performance part of it is we want to feel we're progressing and learning is a is a key element uh, of that. Um, 
if I confess to myself now that I think about it, um, when I made the move to leave, in a way, the corporate world at Euroclear and really move to be 100% uh, part of the, the WAPI uh, startup, uh, it opened up again fully my mind. I felt that in the last years, I was probably a little bit less curious or was so much dragged in the operational work that I, had, I took less the time to read again. And now uh, I create more time to read, to learn. And it's an enormous uh, feeling of, of reward, of creativity. And I do hope or I do think it can, it, it also helps on the performance aspect. Um, instilling this in the minds of our people, in the organizations as a system, I think is a, is a wonderful opportunity we have. And I say as a system because now it, I have seen it a lot. It's dependent on the drive, the inner drive of a person, which obviously is the most important uh, drive. But if you can do it as a system, uh, incentivize it, nudge uh, people, uh, facilitate it as a system, as an organization, well, then I think we, we would be better off uh, for everyone, uh, for the person, of course, in, in the first place. That's, that's really lovely. And I love your, your sort of conversation about you since you've moved from a bigger organization, you've felt you've had more opportunity to explore, you've got your curiosity back. Do you think that's something that is is harder to do in a bigger organization to, to work with your curiosity? Well, I don't know if it's really related to is it a big organization or not. It's probably, if I'm really honest, related to making a drastic job shift okay. and then taking ownership again. However, in the big organization, sometimes you're very long in the same position and you're naturally a bit less challenged. You feel in the comfort zone. And if you're more in a comfort zone, and there is a lot of operational work, then you sometimes forget the habit of learning. And so I think it's more related uh, to that piece. And so probably, yeah, of course, when you start a new job, you're a bit more independent. Yeah, well, you feel it more yeah, uh, from within. So you have to take much more action from within. But in the first 10 years, uh, when I was also at big organizations, uh, the curiosity was more there than in the last years. Uh, okay. And, you know, I was part of McKinsey. You can say a lot of good and bad about it, about, about McKinsey, but it, there was a culture of continuous learning. And if you did not learn, uh, uh, then, then it doesn't work anymore. So it was embedded in it. And honestly, I like it. And a lot of people liked it very, very much. Uh, yes. And are actually really high performing and happy people. And, and so you've already talked about perhaps there's some challenges for these CEOs. Perhaps they've been there a long time. Perhaps they're beginning to feel a little bit tired. Are there any other particular challenges you can see to sort of to the senior team um, in organisations in, in the near future, but also perhaps in the, the slightly longer longer view? Um, a few of, you know, I had I had lots of conversations with uh, senior teams in the last uh, couple of months. Had a look. Huh? Um, I think 100, if I, if I boil it down to 100 conversations, 90 of them really realize that traditional ways of working are not fully unleashing the full potential of people. And then we touch about learning, of course. Yeah. 90. Uh, understand it. That's good. 25, really dare to take action. Yeah. So for me, one of the fundamental challenges is why don't we dare to do things differently? Yeah. Go a bit away of those traditional ways of doing work, of doing learning of going to classrooms. No, let's make it more experiential. 
Uh, let's really uh, do it differently. I think that's one of the challenges uh, to overcome. Take actions to do it differently. And then secondly, of course, uh, more on a genetic trend, it is a fact and research is stating, stating that many, uh, many people need to be upscaled or reskilled, 50% yeah. of them. I always felt a bit tension with that fact and I figured out a couple of weeks why. Because I find, it quite, I find it quite of a top-down and paternalistic way of saying, like, we need to reskill 50% of our workforce. It's a really interesting, the words. But, you know, wh why did we come ever to that point? Maybe because we didn't really empower our people uh, in a way, or, and I shouldn't say our people, maybe because we didn't empower enough people, maybe because we didn't have the system in place that organically, people uh, learn new skills and then the upscaling goes much more organic uh, than today suddenly there's a problem with the worst case you need to lay off people and you rehire new skills that's a pity uh, yes yeah. these are things that that i think can really be avo avoid avoided and so that's that's really one of the challenges that in organizations let's shift that very quickly let's you know let's go for a more empowered organic way of learning and certainly do it differently more experiential uh, oh, yeah you absolutely are singing from my hymn book there bruce <laughs> mm. and, and i think what you've said there is really interesting in terms of what you're talking about really is increasing the intrinsic motivation of of the people in the organ of everybody you know from bottom up top down increasing their intrinsic motivation to want to learn new things, to identify what are the challenges. You know, we often say, so what, what challenges do the CEOs have? But actually, perhaps we should be saying, you know, throughout the business, you know, what challenges do you have? Or how do you see yourself resolving those challenges? Yeah, we all have challenges. It's the way we deal with them and it's the way we resolve them uh, and try to think a bit differently. Yeah. Um, I mean, the book you wrote for me was a source of inspiration to make everything as experiential as possible. Um, a few years ago, I came up with that concept as a Belgian, you need to taste the chocolate, uh, yeah. which in a way, <laughs> let's give the chocolate that's not talk theory. It's the same with learning. I think you and Stella Labs are, are creating that, but even one or two steps further than, than I was even thinking about it. So it gives amazing ideas to do even not just learning, it's even when you have conversations uh, with people, let them taste what you really mean. Let's yeah. go away from the theory. I think leaders, business can do that much more for themselves, but also when they are in interaction with employees, customers, um, and, and, and everybody with, with stakeholders. I think that's so it's the way we really do deal with it. And it's the way we... Um, uh, the, the other book I'm reading now is uh, Rethinking from Adam Grant. Uh, which is also That's one, quite, one to put on my list. Yeah, it's it's quite fascinating. Yeah, and, and he's a, a, a very intriguing uh, professor in the in the in the United States. Uh, young, but already wrote three books. Um, anyway, his concept is all about uh, sometimes you need to unlearn things to learn something new and give space and capacity to do that. I think that is the essence to know what you don't know. Uh, be curious and be open-minded, uh, and it's not always easy to to do to do that. Of course, I haven't been able to do that in the last fifteen years that I'm working. I feel that again a little bit now more, and it's incredibly energizing. Fantastic. Interestingly, in terms of neuroscience, as I understand it, we actually can't unlearn 
what we have to do is learn new things that actually mm -hmm. kind of slightly push out the old things but apparently those old things are always waiting to kind of you know pop back they'll if pop you if you let them they'll pop up again so yeah. you apparently can't unlearn but you can reinforce new behaviors new habits new thinking patterns yeah. so that that becomes your 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 default indeed so i think it's really interesting when people yeah. talk about talk about that indeed i read one of the indeed in one of the books of uh, steven pullman it was there indeed again you you remind me of it because it's uh, if i understand it well is you you build the patterns and the bridges and the neurons and uh, by learning new things these will pop up more than uh, yeah and that's why probably it takes you know 30 or 100 days to create new habits to learn new things that you need to do it over and over again you do and you definitely can't learn new habits just by talking about it no You've absolutely, you know, you've talked about experiential, you've talked about that kind of, for me, it's about how can we make a world more sensory, particularly as we're now working more digitally, how yes. can we make that feel more real, more grounded in, in reality? Yeah. And, and that's hard when it's digital. Exactly. And it's hard when it's digital because you need to feel, I think, the somewhere an emotional connection with it. You need to, from deeper from within, you need to really want to learn it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you need to feel and taste it, experience, because then you feel the emotion it gives on you. And it's yeah. and we go into the the hormones, uh, the positive ho hormones that it creates, and which is then the reinforcing loop. Yeah, yeah. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday actually about how can you make digital mm -hmm. learning more concrete, more real. And we mm -hmm. talked about things like actually using physical objects, but we actually also talked about the language we use and how we can make that language more concrete, more multisensory, kind of using sensory metaphors. Mm -hmm. So rather than talking in kind of abstract speak, which is often what, you know, business language is, mm -hmm. is quite abstract. It's not concrete. You can't get hold mm -hmm. of it. And we were talking about how if you can use language that is much more um, yeah, sensory based. So, you know, use, think, well, you talked about the taste of chocolate, you know, taste the chocolate as a, as a metaphor, but that immediately in our brains kind of stimulates those parts of our brains that are related to chocolate. And, and mm -hmm. so we're actually getting a sensory, not as good as really tasting chocolate, but we're getting a sensory experience yeah. by just using those metaphors. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what do you think, what do you think going forward that, you know, the, the C-suite has to do? So you've talked about people perhaps mm -hmm. giving, empowering people more from the bottom. What else do you think they need to do to kind of address these challenges we're facing? Huh. Um, role modeling themselves. I think the shift, I always talk, it's a shift from within. So the first word is shift, not just a change. I think shift is more positive than yet another change. And the ah, shift can yeah. be a bit more drastic also. Uh, that's again the, the ownership part. And then from within, uh, I think too often we say others need to change <laughs> and we don't change. Uh, too often we say we should learn this, you should do that, and then you don't apply it yourself. How can you inspire even just the people around you if you don't shift from within first? And therefore, how can you inspire your organization? your business uh, if you don't uh, shift from within first. And I think uh, I think it starts from there. And you talked earlier, um, and it resonated with me, about, you know, your shift, your move to New York and how that really sort of helped mm -hmm. you kind of re, I don't know, almost like restructure your, your mind, your thinking. Reset. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and for me, you know, a couple of times in in my life, uh, we have moved countries. We mm-hmm. have moved, you know, kind of totally up uprooted and done something really different. And I think that not only does it help you rethink, but it also gives you new impetus because you're not just you're not just doing the same old boring, boring stuff. Suddenly exactly. you might be doing the same stuff, but in an entirely mm-hmm. different environment. So I'm wondering, should all senior people be encouraged at some point in their careers to, you know, make, make a big shift of some sort just to help them see see the world anew? Yeah, it's a very interesting, uh, intriguing uh, question. I probably think if we would ask the, the people we know or the C-suite people we know, like, what has been your turning point in your career? It was always probably triggered by a sort of shift. A shift can be move, a shift can be something really good or something really challenging that happens, uh, but it's always triggered by a shift somehow of context because then you are, bam, you need to rethink. And ultimately it makes you stronger yeah? and, it, and you learn new things. The big question I have is, um, maybe there's a question back, is, do we proactively need to create sometimes those shifts? Yeah, and I do think that sometimes it is needed to proactively do a shift. Um, the reason why I say that is I believe very much in the um, uh, the recovery. Recovery uh, rituals are important. Eh? We tend to we tend to see uh, sometimes sleep or other things as unproductive time. I think that the world is luckily changing. Luckily, luckily the world is changing on this. But 10 years ago, but still, a lot of people say, yeah, no, or a break is unproductive time. And then then you see life as a marathon. You never stop. You never stop. And then suddenly it breaks down. Uh, I think we need need to see the world as more sprint, recovery, sprint, recovery on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis. But I do think you need to also look at it from a holistic basis. Where do you create suddenly a little bit your sprint recovery and really do something differently? And doing something differently, the nice part of it can perfectly be at the same organization. You don't need to suddenly change everything, but make a drastic shift somewhere. And I, otherwise you fall in the trap of too much comfort zone. And the longer you're in there, the harder it is to make a shift. And I think the beauty of choosing your shift, deliberately thinking I need to shift something, is you have some level of control over it. And it feels much more positive and constructive if if you've got some level of control than if a shift happens because something Mm -hmm. happens and you have no control. You'll learn from both. But I think that positive, you know, we're going to change this. We're going to do something different is is really inspiring. And then I th- well, for me, what it gave me was the ability to recognize that if I want to make a change, I can. Whereas yes. if the change happens to you, you know you can react to change, mm-hmm. but can you actually create that change you want? And I think that would be great if all, see- well, if everybody had that mm-hmm. ability, that, that experience of knowing that you can make a change, you can get out of this place where you are, that you may be either too comfortable or you may be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it can it can even start with small things because in the end of the day, doing your proactive shift, is, it's indeed, it's, it's, it's better, you decide it yourself. You just need to create a daily habit to get there. And then we go again of being having a curious and open mind. Um, yeah. In that book of Adam Grant, he uh, there's a, there's an interesting statistics. They looked at all the U.S. presidents and what made the most 
you know, high-performing presence, they had one threat in common, is that they were very curious, open-minded, asked questions, and pretty much all took an hour per day to read something new, be creative. And in a way, that's a habit for me, to open your mind and open your mind to make somewhere a shift or do something different than yeah. just the traditional. Yeah. They even say doing simple things like, you know, walking a different route to work every day or driving a different route oh, yeah. to work every day. Yes. You know, yeah. I don't know, getting out of bed the other side is probably even even a simple one because we, we are else? very yeah. creatures of habit. And yes. so even that can help you to just be a bit more curious, mm -hmm. notice the world a bit more differently, notice yeah. the changes that are there. Indeed. I, um, I have the luck to work with... Uh, a very nice Belgian family company and we're, we're helping them on uh, coming up with their purpose. Now it is already a very purposeful company. They are 10 years in sustainability, real, it's not greenwashing, it's it's amazing what they do. Um, and, and I start first by doing, um, I call them mirror sessions. So we literally with each of the, the 10 Exco members, we go for three hours outside and we have a walk and we talk, what were your shifts? from within, who are you? But we do it by, a talk, by, and that's allowed now, even with COVID times, we have a walk outside. Just the fact that you're walking outside, you're not always looking at each other's eyes, you're not around the table. Yeah. It's a completely different conversation and you go yeah. to the roots and the hearts uh, of each other. These are the most rewarding, fulfilling moments and moments of insight for both of us. Yeah. <laughs> For both of us. I think there's actually something very powerful in being next to somebody and having a conversation without looking at each other. Mm -hmm. But you're both kind of looking at the same the same view. You're both mm -hmm. sitting in the same way. Mm -hmm. um, and we tend in meetings to always, you know, put people face, uh, face to face opposing. But actually, I think some meetings might be best if you just went for a walk yes. absolutely together or sat on a bench next to each other and just... yes kind of let the conversation flow yes i think Indeed. i think there's some real things to do in terms of you know simple things to do in terms of helping management teams shift their conversations by shifting the way they meet so you know for yes. me conference table a round board table or worse still a long board table is probably one of the least productive ways of having a conversation you can possibly have <laughs> it does my wife always laughs with it that when we are with the two of us uh, I always like to be in, like, say, côte à côte instead of uh, tête à tête. Ah, <laughs> nice. I don't know. It's she always loves to that, but yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I think you, you get a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what else do we think? You know, the C-suite can do to help themselves, but you know, their people and and ultimately the organisation survive. No, sorry, more than survive, really thrive and grow and perform well. Hmm. So we spoke about really deep empowering. We spoke about really the shift from within uh, and role modeling. I would say probably the third one is making it uh, systemic uh, in the organization. Yeah? It's about embedding it in the processes. Um, this may sound a bit more <laughs> boring in a way, but I think it is important. Yeah? There are companies that are actually giving a bonus based on if you have grown and acquired new skills. Yeah. Okay. Instead of giving a bonus purely on your KPI that you reached. I find it at least intriguing. Yeah. Secondly, um, I think feedback 
having a feedback culture, huh? uh, we spoke about that. I believe incredibly by, in the power of the power of feedback. In a way, I like more feed forward than feedback. Yes. Yeah, of course, huh? a bit, I use feedback because it's a general term. But yes, it's feed forward. It's more yeah. in, in that coaching habit. But if you can create that habit in a company, it is so powerful. Yeah, mentorship, uh, finding a mentor, having a good mentor that helps you. Uh, oh my God, it's 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 unbelievably uh, powerful. Yeah, even when you do your objectives in a company, yeah, a lot of companies are doing objectives in the OKR way, objective key result way. That's good. That's powerful. It's aligned with the company objectives. It's okay as long as you empower your people, of course, to have their own objectives, check in, have a real conversation, and as long as it's for me growth based. Yeah, uh, we in Wapi, for example, the way we've now do it, done it is that. Uh, if I have my objective, I can share it with everybody or with teammates, and I can ask input, uh, input and uh, feedback, feed forward of colleagues, but also of people outside uh, the company. Uh, I could ask uh, input from you, uh, Stella, and then you will uh, need to select: Was Bruce at his full potential and acquired new skills? Was he just in his normal way using his his skill set, or was he not at his full potential? And just by thinking about that. It creates a real conversation on the skills that you have done and not just on an outcome uh, that you've realized. So for me, this is what leaders and company uh, people can do, make it more systemic in all of that. But that, of course, requires take mentorship, take feedback, how to give and receive good feedback. That's an art in itself. It's not um, easy. Yeah, and I it's think that's easy. where the, the feed forward concept is so important. We were running a program mm -hmm. last week where feedback was one of the mm -hmm. pieces of conversation. Um, and the first thing we did was we asked people to, on a, a board, uh, put emoticons as to how they felt about giving feedback and how they felt about receiving feedback. Mm -hmm. And we just asked them the question kind of straight off without talking about what feedback was. And almost everybody said, I really don't really like giving feedback. Mm -hmm. And almost all of them said, and I don't like getting feedback. But when we started to expand the conversation, kind of having acknowledged mm -hmm. that for most people, it's not a nice, not a pleasant experience traditionally. Mm -hmm. And then we introduced them to the feed forward concept and this idea about, you know, what you're doing is you're looking at what people are doing well. You're mm -hmm. looking about what they could do in the future and not concentrating on what went wrong in the past because you can't change that. Um, and they really began to sort of feel much more comfortable Mm -hmm. about this idea and then we put them into to breakouts and they had to go and practice it yes. and they came out the saying actually that was that was quite empowering mm -hmm. because I'm I'm supporting I'm really genuinely supporting this person and I've got a kind of a process to do it yes and and so so then they liked giving feedback or feed forward mm -hmm. and they enjoyed receiving it because it was constructive now I can relate enormously to the to this yeah. concept uh yeah. Yes, Stella. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Nice. So any other, any other, oh, you know. I think those three tips. things are probably more than enough. Well, uh, true. <laughs> there's probably other things, but um, I don't know. Communication also, uh, communicate is always an important piece. But honestly, those three things, the shift from within, the really empowering uh, on all aspects, and then holistically thinking about the processes on mentorship, feedback, objectives, and all of the other aspects. If, if we can go there, then I think you have an organic future-proof organization. <laughs> I think we should start helping people to do that. And I know at WAPI that is 
what WAPI is designed to do, really, isn't it? Well, WAPI is a piece of the is a piece of the puzzle. WAPI is indeed a, uh, a talent platform that enables uh, feedback, uh, mentorship, those objectives in a very different way. People have an internal LinkedIn, they can share their skills, so it's already based on their skills and, and the strengths. We adopt the feed-forward uh, principle uh, and, and, and even team feedback, team feed-forward principle. So it's, it's a platform to do that at scale on the systemic uh, end, but it incites people to also shift from within, of course, and it empowers people. Um, but this alone will not work. The, the combination, and that's uh, the nice partnership uh, with Stellar Labs, for example, is you need to provide content uh, as well. You need to do uh, the trainings, let the people taste the chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is, that is, in the end of the day, that counts as well. So it's both elements together can really do magic. I'm quite sure, Bruce, when you said provide content, because I know, I know that you know how we work, that content is just not sufficient for learning. Mm. What we need is actually to provide learning experiences, which is what you were talking about earlier on. So content is a part of that. It's really important that people have content, but you can throw content at people. And that's what, you know, has happened traditionally with, with LMSs and things. There's mm -hmm. just, you know, millions and millions of content is available everywhere. We're not short of content. We might be short of the right content sometimes. Yeah. No, but, but it's but actually what, what do you do with it? How do you apply it? Yeah. And now we come back, you're 100% right, and it's good to clarify that indeed I should use the different words. It is indeed about the experience, yeah. the experiential, the tasting. Then it's really embedding it. Yeah. Yes. And then mm. the reflecting afterwards, you know, now I've experienced it. Hmm, what did I learn from that experience? And what do I need to change the next time, you know, I do this thing or I try this thing? So indeed. it's that real kind of learning journey where, where <laughs> content might be a part of it. But also equally, it could just be an actual experience you have. It may not be content related at all. And what we're trying to do is get away from this kind of focus on content and classrooms in the moment and mm -hmm. kind of, you know, what I call magic wand learning. You know, you'll go on a course and then you'll be magically, you know, transformed. Every transformation is, is a journey. It takes time, it takes energy and it takes, you know, um, bravery, I think from you as a person to, to test out, to try new things, to experiment. Mm -hmm. I was talking to um, Mark Ramos from Novartis this week, and we talked mm -hmm. about the scientist mindset. And actually, if we could encourage everyone to have that kind of, you know, curious, researching, experimenting, testing, yes. having perhaps a hypothesis that you can either prove or disprove, and, and both are fine. It doesn't matter if you prove or disprove it because that is actually another yeah. piece of, of evidence that 100 helps you move correct. forwards. Yeah. yeah. Well, the book from Adam Grant, Think Again, talks exactly about the scientist mindset. Really interesting. Okay. Yeah. Really oh, interesting. I'm, gonna so I, I, I'm definitely going to read that I was com completely one. convinced. And it's sometimes quite confrontational for myself. Like, hmm, am I adopting this all the time? No. So that's a nice, it's a journey that you can never really reach. Uh, you can see the top, but you can never really reach it, but, yeah. which is nice because <laughs> keep on improving. And what are your views then? Because I think that's really interesting, isn't it? That, you know, I think we sometimes strive for perfection. And if I do this, then I'll become that. And if I if I become that, then, you know, then I'll have reached my ultimate peak of whatever it might be you're trying to reach. What are your views on kind of making that journey enjoyable and productive and valuable 
because if you're always looking to the always looking to the future you're never actually enjoying the stops along the way i always say skills rather than job titles so what it what i mean is um if if you focus on learning and developing skills i do think it can be more rewarding than purely going for a certain job title or a certain promotion and and i do believe that if you go for skills then automatically opportunities will come um, and it's nicer to not always have just one very concrete end game in mind because then you always look to the future of what you want to achieve and it's harder to i think enjoy the present moment the present moment of learning not yeah. putting direct pressure on i'm learning this for that i'm learning this for that no Let's be in the present moment of learning. Um, I was a bit in the trap too. Huh? In the last two years in the corporate world, I have to be honest, I was also like, oh, wow, I'd love to be uh, this. And then, and then, and then it goes fast, and you, and we get those promotions, and you get the things on the shoulder. And before you know, you forget to learn, and then you ask yourself the question: oh, Do I want to do this now? Is this the right moment? Uh, and I assume. A few, at least a few of us um, may have the same uh, the same experiences. So it for me, it's all about trying to be to be in the moment of of learning, thinking about the skills and not purely about job titles. That's really nice. So so skills focus rather than than job titles. Or at least uh, and then job titles is a big thing. We all have job titles. The world still sometimes needs job titles. I'm certainly not against <laughs> job titles. It's not to say certainly not. But it's more to not envision just there's only one path to one mm -hmm. specific yeah. role. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, in my career, I've I've moved from I started my career as an IT programmer. And then I kind of moved into sort of IT mm -hmm. support and consulting. And then I I just switched entirely into, into L&D, which for me was like a massive um, revelation and kind of, you know, was where mm -hmm. I found myself. But now I'm kind of shifting again in that, you know, yes, I'm still completely passionate about LND, but actually what I'm really interested in now is, you know, how to be a good leader because mm -hmm. that, you know, that's a new role for me. Okay, I led my previous company, but now, you know, this is a bigger company. Yes. We've got big ambitions. So how to be a good leader is, you know, a massive learning journey for me. And I've, I've taken on a coach in order to help wow. me with that yeah. because I really think, you know, I need – I need somebody to guide me, to support me, to to give me feedback, to challenge mm -hmm. me. And what are some of the things you are trying to put in place uh, and learning, uh, Stella? So one of the things that I really need to do more um, is to actually ask for help more. I'm I'm quite mm -hmm. an independent person, and I've spent mm -hmm. a lot of time, you know, figuring out things for myself. Um, so I'm actually realizing how important it is to to ask for help, mm -hmm. to ask for mentorship ask for support so that's my that's my big new thing is to be brave and yeah. say will you help me and actually <laughs> of course you know people almost always will yeah but well, there was an element beautiful. of there was an element of um you know i don't want to bother people i don't want to disturb people mm -hmm. but actually what i'm now recognizing is that people actually like to do that they feel uh, uh, they feel valued yeah? they feel yeah, valued. absolutely yeah so, Certainly. yeah, so that's my that's my current leadership journey. Wonderful, Stella. Wonderful. Bruce, it's been a real delight talking to you. Um, we've had a few conversations, but I think I've, I've learned a lot more about you, 
in this in this conversation, maybe even a little about me, yeah. uh, and certainly some of the things that are going to be important going forward for for all of us, for you know individuals, for leaders, and and for organisations. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for being part of our conversation, our podcast today. Is there anything um, you know that you want to sort of tell the world about what you do at WAPI that you want to perhaps just tell us your website? No, for, well, I actually want to thank you for the for the good exchange and moments. Uh, I jotted down quickly uh, already three ideas while just talking to each other, so it always <laughs> triggers things. Um, no, if people are people are curious about Wapi, I think the website is there. It's written H U A P I I. It's Wapi. Uh, it's actually the oldest national park in Patagonia, and when you look at it, it shows organic ways of working. It's beautiful, it's nature, and that's what we try to stand for. Human happy is another connotation we use, but the website has the story uh, and has uh, has everything. So if people are curious, no problem. If people want to reach out personally, no problem. <laughs> With Thank pleasure. you so much, Bruce. That was, that was great. It was really nice to talk to you. Thank you too. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Please share it with your friends and colleagues and visit our website, stellalabs.eu, to learn more about what we do and how we do it. Tune into the next episode.